Yes, because your dad works there. Yeah, I know why, right? That's right. Um, Bourbon, B-U-R-B-N. It is now Instagram. So, you know, changing names, naming things, renaming them, renaming them is all important because it tells a lot about who they are or what they're trying to be and what they're all about. Celebrity names. See if you can get this. Marion Robert Morrison. John Wayne. Okay, how about Martha Helen Costyra? Martha Stewart. Norma Jean Mortensen. Yep, Marilyn Monroe. Um, here's your, yeah, I know this will be your, Calvin Cardoza Broadus Jr. Come on. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and then Karen Elaine Johnson. Whoopi Goldberg. Now see, look at all these people. Look at the, look, and I have a whole list of them here. I mean, literally, in fact, you can go on a website called Behind the Name, and you can look up your name, and they'll give you the meaning of it. Interesting, uh, my name is kind of violent. Uh, William means warrior, and my little name Lance is a weapon, so I don't know what that was all about. Um, but you can look up your name behind it because people are interested in their name. And in the Bible, names were significant. Give me an example of maybe your favorite one. Give me your, a character that you like or you know what their name meant or someone who had a name and that was renamed in the Bible. Yes. Yes. Yes, Joshua, meaning, yes, God is my Savior and my salvation, which, by the way, those are all Joshua and Jesus, and there's a number of those names, uh, one of the prophets as well. Those are all the same name, just a little different pronunciation, yes. What else? Other names of the Bible, and people who had their name changed, whatever. Yes, Jacob became Israel, yes. Esther, yeah, well, yes, yep, Hebrew, and then her, just her cultural name, yes, got it? Yes, Samuel means God has heard Hannah's prayer, right? Someone else, yes, up there, are you, get your hand up, yep, say it again, okay, yeah, peace, shalom, Solomon actually is shloman, it's, it means shalom, like that. So peace. Yes, you're right. Peace. Yes. Yes, right? Naomi, and her, she was so depressed after all the death in her family, Naomi Mara, because she was bitter. What about? Abraham. Say it. Abraham. Abraham. Yeah, Abram, Abraham, Sarai, Sarah, Saul, Paul. Right? So it's, it's all throughout the Bible, and there's so many. Moses' name means what? Drawn out of the water. So that, that was his whole life story, no? And so you have people with names. Now, Jesus gives his disciples names. He names some, and he renames some. Peter, Simon becomes Peter. James and John becomes son to thunder. So why? What does it mean when someone, especially Jesus, names you or renames you? Well, there's a lot of examples in the Bible. Let me tell you the meaning. 
Do you remember when the man was on the shore of the Gadarenes? Jesus and the disciples get off, and he comes up to him, and he has 6,000 demons. And, and Jesus says, what is your name? And the demon says, what? Legion. So why did Jesus ask his name? Because in the Bible, when you name something or you command their name, then you have authority over them. Let me give you an example. Adam is created and all the animals are created. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 19 and 20, God brings all the animals to him because he's alone. And he obviously finds out the animals aren't suitable for him as a, as a partner. But it says he brought all, God brought the animals to him and he named all of them. Now why? Why did he give them names? Because in naming the animals, man was to have dominion and to have authority over them, and he did. Now later on, in chapter 3, after they have sinned against God, he, Adam names his wife in chapter 3, and he calls her Eve. Why? Because God had placed him in authority over her, and he blew it in the garden. He should have taken the authority, protected his wife from the serpent, but he didn't. He stayed silent, and we fell into sin. And so it's another chance for him his wife's name, first of all, was woman, which is Isha in Hebrew. And he, Adam's man, name is Ish, which means that he, a human or man. And so he had another chance with God's grace to uh, take the authority and use it correctly. And so when God says, I have authority over because I name you, that doesn't mean authority in a, in a horrible, abusive way. It means authority in a loving way. Um, you can... God names things, people can name things in the Bible, but you can't name God um, because then you would be seeking to have authority over him. Judges 13, Samson's parents have the angel of God come and he goes up from the altar in fire and he's afraid because he saw God face to face and he asked before the angel left, what is your name? And what does the angel say? What is it that you are asking my name? In other words, he doesn't give him a name. Why? Because you can't ask God or get, ask for his name in that sense because you're trying to take authority over him. Jacob wrestles Genesis 32 all night with, a, with the angel of the Lord and his hip goes out of socket. And he says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And he asks his name and Jacob, he says to Jacob, what is it that you ask my name? Um, so here's the thing. God names, he gives authority for man or people to name things, but you can't name God. So what does name or naming or renaming mean? It means that you are showing authority over them, power over them, and you have responsibility over them. We got, when you have cats or dogs in your home, or you get a pet, and your child comes up to you and says, oh, let me name them, and you let your kids name them. How many had pets growing up? How many have pets now? Okay, wow. Okay, and you let your kids name them, and when you do, why do you let them name them? Because you're hoping if they name them, they'll do what? Yes, they'll be responsible to take care of them. And we all know that's a big fallacy, because they don't do it, right? Um, so you have limited power, because you, but you want them to take responsibility over them. Now, in Scripture, God names stuff. Um, he says, let there be light calls it light, and it instantly happens. Here's a really cool principle. Go read it and study it sometime. Is that whatever God names, it automatically becomes what he wants it to be. 
So when he says light, it becomes light. When he says sky, it becomes sky. When he creates the animals, they come into existence. Is that because when God names something, it's going to be exactly what he wants it to be in the end. Now let me show you this in a wonderful way. If you hold your finger in Mark 3 and turn back to Isaiah, I want to show you something in chapter 40 for, at the first and then one of my favorite Bible passages, chapter 43. I don't know if you've ever read this verse and thought about it a little bit. But here's the context. Isaiah 1 through 39 is all the things that lead up to the Babylonian captivity when their people go into exile and slavery. Chapter 40 to 66, the second half of Isaiah, is all about the future day when God will bring restoration and restore his people. So this is the future, what hopefully will be for them. In Isaiah 40, in verse 26, it says, Lift your eyes on high and see... Who created these? He brings out their host, meaning the stars, by number. Now watch. Calling them all by name. Now, when I was younger, I used to think, oh, wow, God names every single billions of stars. George, Tom, Susie. But that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that God has a a planet name for everybody. He might, I don't know. But that's not what the point of it is. The point of it is what? God is the creator. And he has authority over everything he's made, including every star, every galaxy, everything in them. He has authority over them. Now, see, as creator, well, listen, that shouldn't surprise us because he made all of those things and therefore he has authority over them. So he says, I name them. See, I have authority over that. But let me show you, God's naming things is transcendent in such a way that when it comes to planets and stars and animals in, our, in the earth, It's amazing that he has all that kind of wisdom and power. But watch. Flip the coin over, and God naming things is not something only transcendent. It's imminent, meaning personal and close. Now, with that in mind, read Isaiah 43. 43. Can I point out a couple things? Not our primary text, but such a good one, I can't pass it up. Verse 1 and verse 7 bracket this with the exact same... Hebrew phrases, but now says the Lord, he who created you, just like the stars, now he created the nation of Israel. He created you, O Jacob. He formed you, O Israel. Go back to the end, verse 7 of this paragraph, and he uses the same thing, created and formed at the end of this paragraph. And in between, he wants to tell you, what does it mean when God is the creator of you as a people and you as an individual? And twice in the passage, circle it, verse 1 and verse 5, he gives the command, fear not. So there's two little injunctions that bracket it as well, each half of this paragraph. And he gives reasons because God being your imminent personal creator. And what is that? Why don't I have to fear? Because I'm in Babylon and are things ever going to be different? He's going to say. And then he says another repetitive thing, I will be with you. I will be with you. Watch it. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have, watch, verse 1. I have called you, underline it, by name. Remember what we talked about before? God sometimes renames people. Simon became Peter. Saul became Paul. Sarai became Sarah. Abraham became Abraham. He says, see, I created you, O Jacob. I formed you, what? O Jacob. Jacob means supplanter, deceiver, 
Israel means prince with God. What a transformation. Why? Because when God names you, you will ultimately become exactly what he wants you to be, even people like Jacob. So he formed and he says, don't fear. Why? I called you by name. Please watch this. Draw a line. God calls you by your name. He, he was Jacob and now it's Israel. But that's not the only naming he has. Look down in verse 5. If I have it right. Fear not, I am with you. I'll bring you from the offspring for the east. I will gather you. I will save the north and south, my daughters from the end of the earth. I'm sorry, down at the end. I missed it. Everyone, verse 7, who is called by my name. So God says, I'm calling you by your name. And there's a greater change that's coming. I'm going to call you by my name. So don't fear. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look around. Look at me. And what are those circumstances? Look at verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. They won't overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burned. I'll be with you. See, that's what it means when God names you. So let's go back to our text, Mark 3, if you would. And understand a little bit better why God tells us that he named his disciples. Let me tell you a little bit about them, not all of them. But look at them because mostly they are tax collectors, fishermen, ordinary people. Listen, ordinary people who God names. This means that, you know what it means? It means that they were extraordinary because Jesus was in their life. And he changed them. That's why he gave names to them. So let me ask you, or let me tell you this. All of us need an identity. Every one of us here tonight is, has someone who names you. Literally, your parents named you. So part of your for identity formation is your mom and dad. Not just the fact that they literally named you, but how you grew up and how you were taught and the things you learned, things that you didn't learn, how you were raised. So we have a little bit of our identity comes from our parents. It comes from the friends that we hang out with. Unfortunately, today in our culture, the emphasis on self, that we make our own identity. We are designed by ourselves and we want to have all that we have to say and all of that. But also... More importantly, God is. And that's why in the Isaiah 43 passage, it says he created you and formed you. He called you by name. Here's the idea. He has authority over you, and he will tell you who you are. The only time in the Hebrew Bible it says this in Isaiah 43, the passage we read, he says, you are mine. See, can I tell you tonight three words? That is your identity. It's not whether you are white or black. It's not whether you're Hispanic or African or Indian or whatever it is. That is not that you aren't those. That is part of your identity. But the main thing that every, all the other peripheral secondary parts of your identity resolve around, resolve around, revolve around, I should say, is Jesus. It's God. You get your identity from him and your identity is for him. So I'm going to tell you the principle and then we're going to work out some implications. Whoever or whatever names you controls you. John 10, 13, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them 
and they follow me, and I, what? Yes, I call them by name. So God knows every one of his sheep. Whoever overcomes, I will give a new name, a new name. If you watch it in the Bible, we've already touched on it. If you have a life-changing experience, you have a new name, and we know a bunch of those. If you had multiple names, you were considered a great person because you were multidimensional. The more names you had, the more profound of a person you must have been. And we know that's true today. Even, even now, we know the power of people's names because a famous author writes a book and you're going to buy it because they're famous and they sold millions of books. A famous artist sells a painting. You could, you, it doesn't matter what it looks like anymore but because their name's on it. It's for millions. I mean, I wouldn't give you 10 bucks for half of them, but they're going for millions. People have them in their homes. Famous actors, they're in the movie. You're going to probably go to it. Famous singers, music, way more popular if you're not well known by anybody. We know the name has power. But when Jesus names people, listen, he names people like God did in Genesis. Because he has purpose and he has design for it. So let me tell you about the disciples and you at the same time. He didn't look at the disciples and see that they already had what it took to be a follower of his. He gave them what it took. That's why he named and renamed them. See, that's the identity that he wants you to have. He wants you to know that to have an identity in him, he can give you the power to be exactly what you need to be and what you need to do in your Christian life. It's not because you have extraordinary powers and abilities. Some do and some don't. But the point is, God can make you what he wants to be by his grace, through his spirit and word in your life. And whatever or whoever names you, owns you. Let me give you an example. Have you ever read in Luke 16 of the parable Jesus gives in the rich man and Lazarus? Um, you'll find that it's the only parable that a person who's in that parable that Jesus uses has a personal name given. It's Lazarus. It's really, that's the Greek word. The Hebrew word would have been Eleazar would have been the name, and that is from the Hebrew word Ezer, means like Ezra, it means God is my helper. So Lazarus has God as his helper. Now, now side point though, when you're laying beside someone's gate and you don't have enough food off the crumbs of his table, and you have blisters all over you, and the dog licks your sores, doesn't seem like God is much of a helper, does it? But the rich man, who, by the way, doesn't get a personal name, he doesn't get one. And some commentators I've read said this, and, and they were wondering why, I'm just wondering, that I wonder if his name was not given because what he is, his identity really is rich. He's a rich man. That's what he's called. Lazarus is helped by God. Now, the look of their circumstances is completely different, but what identified them is this, a guy helped by God and a guy who was rich. Now, the one ends up in heaven, Abraham's bosom, and the other ends up in hell. But I wonder if the man who was rich, and that's how he's identified, is that because without the richness, he was nothing. See, all of his identity was in this. That's who he was. That was who he was. His identity wasn't in God. It wasn't in Christ. It was in what he had. 
And see, that, can I tell you, for us and for our teenagers, can I tell you, that is the danger. We live in a culture where you can be an athlete and be incredibly athletic, but if you are athletic, but if you're not, then in your mind you are nothing. I don't know. Have you ever watched them? I, I, I don't know for sure. I don't know people's hearts or their motives. But I watch people who continue to play, play sports at a high level, making all this money, and I'm thinking, like, you should quit, dude. You are now getting old. I mean, and you made so much money. How much more could you possibly win? Or, you know, but why do they keep going? Because I wonder if this is their identity. Like, if I play sports and I do this and I make this, if I don't have this, who am I? I don't know if they forgot this is who I really am. You know, I find it, you know, I am smart, I am intellectual, I have this power, but see, if I don't have this degree and I don't keep going to school and I don't have this and I don't get behind my name and I don't go higher up the, that's who I am. And the danger is allowing someone or something other than Jesus to tell you who you are. Jesus wants us to know tonight, as he names his disciples and names you and I, that I can give you an identity. And I call it an industrial strength identity. One that will get you through any and all circumstances. That's why I go back to Isaiah 43. He says, I've named you, I've changed you, Jacob to Israel. And guess what? If you have my identity that I can get, you know what you can get through? You can walk through the waters and they won't overflow you. You can walk through very serious really serious circumstances. And you don't have to be afraid. Fear not. You don't have to worry. They're not going to overflow you. Now watch, he said, and you can walk through the flames and not only will you not be burnt, but they won't even scorch you a little bit. Why? Because when you have my identity and you're living it out, I am with you. See, when God names you, He's working for you. He's working in you. He's working through you. Why? Because when God names something, it becomes what he wants it to be. See, and and so whatever or whoever names you controls you. But if you have God's identity, then when you lose your job, your life doesn't bottom out. When you lose your spouse or your children, as unbelievably difficult as that would be, your life isn't over because your life wasn't centered in your wife or your, your, your husband or your daughter or your son. It was in God the whole time. See, when you lose your health and we watch and pray for people, it happens all the time. But when you get the diagnosis cancer or when you get that serious chronic problem that isn't going to be mitigated by any medicine. See, your life doesn't have to quit. You don't have to see yourself as no longer valuable or worthy. Why? Because your identity is in Christ and he gives you an industrial strength identity so that will help you through the waters and through the fires no matter what. See, circumstances change all the time all the time. And if your identity is rooted in something that is mutable, something that can change, something that can totally take a different form or shape at any, any point or any reference in your life, and you've tied your identity to it and it leaves or it's gone or it's taken away from you, you're in serious trouble. Your life becomes unstable, uncertain at best. But see, if we let Jesus name or rename us, See, that never changes because he's immutable. 
And your identity doesn't have to change and it doesn't have to be wrecked. Why? Because it's rooted in him and who he is. Last few minutes. How how do I get my identity formed in Christ? Look at the remainder of the text in Mark 3. He appointed the twelve, gave the names to Simon and James and John, and, and, and mentions the rest of them. But he says that before that, he appointed, can I say it? The twelve, and he sent them out as apostles. So how do you get your identity? Let me tell you what I think he's saying. He sends them out as apostles. You get to figure out what Jesus' name for you and what that means for your life when you go on mission with God. And their mission was preaching the gospel and casting out demons. So here's what God says. Here's your name. I want you to go out and serve others. And can I tell you this? You'll never realize fully what your identity is and what your purpose in Jesus is as long as you do nothing but sit there. When you get out and say, I'm going to be on mission and I'm going to preach the gospel and witness to people, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to not cast out demons in that sense, but say, hey, you know what, casting out demons, liberating people from what was enslaving them. And when you give the gospel out to people, you are doing just that. See, you know what? You can sit around and say, I'm going to take an identity test and see what my strengths and weaknesses are and who I really am and what I'm best. Say, if you sit around trying to discover who you are, you're not going to ever really find it. But what you find it in, Jesus says is going out and doing things for others, helping them find out who they are. Think of evangelism this way. You know who you are in Christ, and you're helping someone else to find the same thing. Because they don't know who they are until they find him. And so Jesus says, you know how you find it? You find it in finding it in ministry and serving, by serving others. So identity formation is sending, and then can I say it this way? Community. How many disciples did he call? Not eight, not ten, not eleven, not thirteen, not fifteen, twelve. Why? Because there are twelve tribes of Israel. And so by having twelve disciples, what is he symbolizing? A new community. This community, not built around Moses, but around him. Can I tell you this? Look around tonight. This is one of the ways God uses to form who you are, your identity, around all these other people. You cannot find it by sitting home on the couch, not being in church. You know where you find it? In community. You find your identity, and that's why we do small groups. You know why? Because we serve together, we form relationships, we don't sit in pews apart from each other, but you get in a room, you get around someone, and you do things outside it together, you serve together, you give together. I can tell you right now of people's groups, small groups that are helping people financially, people are doing things. Why? Because it's in community, a new community, a community that's centered around Jesus. That's where you learn the name that he has for you how you fit in this part. I love the story of Nehemiah in chapter 3 when they were rebuilding the walls of Israel and all these unnamed people, and some of them named, but they all have their different little part on the wall. That's Faith Baptist Church. See, I learned this is my part. This is your part. This is who I am. Whether my name becomes published or not doesn't really matter. It's whether I know who I am based on my spot in the community. Identity formation is a we issue, not a me issue. And then he says, lastly, can I say it? He appointed them so that they could be, verse 13, with him. 
with him can sometimes be used as a technical term for discipleship. Acts 4.13, and they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they recognized that they were untrained and uneducated men, and that they had been with Jesus. They'd been with him. See, their identity was in him, and it showed. It showed. They weren't special. They were ordinary. Why? Because Jesus likes to name and rename ordinary Joes and Jills like you and me. Nothing special in and of ourselves. But he names us. And when he has authority in our lives, he's calling the shots. And we're with him. He begins to change us and make us into that person that that name he has given us is to be. Now listen, with him... He didn't have appointments with the disciples. He didn't say, hey, once a week we're going to have a Bible study. Meet me on, you know, this mountain over there. They lived with him. They walked with him where he slept and ate. That's where they went. You know what it means? Personal relationship. It means intimacy. It means sharing things with it. Let me ask you, is that how you and Jesus relate to one another Do you know the power of what it means to be with him? I mean, really with him. Because it can change your life. Because someone, you are with someone tonight. You are with them, and whoever you spend the most time with and, and, and have the most impact and influence on your life will be the one who controls you. I find it amazing, as we close tonight, that millions of people know the names of the disciples of Jesus. And they will for millions, I mean, thousands of years should the Lord tarry his coming or whatever, right? And they know their names. Why? What was great about them? They were with him, and it changed them. Can I tell you this? King's names and powerful people who lived in the White House and all this, down the centuries, no one will remember their names. But they'll remember those people whose names were with Jesus, because it makes all the difference now and eternity. Look at the great movements of history, spiritually speaking. It started not with large crowds, but little groups of people who were with Jesus. Jesus preached to thousands. He fed 5,000. He sent out 70, but he only had 12 who were with him. So we do D groups and we do small groups. Why? Because we want to emulate that pattern. We want to have our church. We don't just weigh, we don't just count people at Faith Baptist Church. We weigh them. How heavy are they? And you know what? It's because we've been with Jesus that gives us the value and importance in our lives because we're seeking by his grace to be like him. So let me ask you, who really is naming you tonight? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Someday the Bible says that Jesus is going to give us a stone with a name on it for our new name. Only he knows it. And we're going to look at it someday. I don't know all that that means. But maybe it means that this is who he's always intended us to be. Father, may you be the one through Jesus who names us. You're the one who has authority. You're the one who controls our lives. You're the one that tells us what our purpose 
and how we should live our life is every day. May we not let the world name us or others name us. May we not let culture or backgrounds or even our family, as good as that is, to ultimately be the one who identifies who we are. May we find that identity in you and by your grace and power and for your glory. May we live it out every single day knowing that you are with us. For it's in your matchless name we pray. Amen.